Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, Andrew Cuomo fallout. Where is the New York delegation on the governor? Number two, Democrats are splintering behind the scenes when it comes to COVID relief. And number three, FBI Director Christopher Wray is heading to Capitol Hill to testify about the January 6th insurrection. All right, Jake, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has had a pretty stunning fall from grace from the kind of early days of COVID where everyone was a homosexual to now a lot of allegations, people coming forward with uh, potential issues of impropriety. Yeah, uh, now it's three accusations uh, of impropriety of of varying degrees, of varying levels and varying places. One was obviously uh, at a wedding. The most recent broken by The New York Times was at a wedding uh, in New York. And there have been accusations in the workplace and uh, so on and so forth. Now, uh, as we point out this morning, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he I mean, he's already called for an investigation. Right. So the question now becomes, do members of Congress see it in their political interest to come out and um, and call for him to step aside or resign or whatever? I mean, so there's a couple people we're watching, I think, this morning. There's obviously Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, they are the two Democratic senators from from the state of New York. Uh, Chuck Schumer has had an interesting relationship with Cuomo. They have butted heads occasionally over Cuomo's work in Washington, over um, state and local funding. And uh, Gillibrand, as you've written about, and we wrote about in our book, Anna, has been um, at the forefront in some respects on calling for people to step down because of impropriety, right? Yeah, absolutely. She was one of the first senators when the Al Franken accusations came forward to kind of break the dam on that. And there's been some controversy surrounding, uh, you know, her decision to do that and her having to answer for that in the Democratic Party. I do think it is notable that neither senator so far has really gone public on this. I think the other thing that's going to be really interesting to watch is... Uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, obviously one of the bright stars in the Democratic Party. We we talk about him a lot on this podcast as a potential, uh, you know, future speaker, a leader of the CBC. So he's somebody to watch where he goes, because I think a lot of the New York delegation in general looks to him for leadership. And the other thing that's, I think, also interesting uh, that you note in this morning's Punchbowl News AM newsletter is uh, who could potentially challenge Cuomo on the Republican side, right? Obviously, New York uh, has been a long bastion for Democratic politics, but Elise Stefanik is certainly a rising star, somebody who in Trump's Washington was kind of seen as a moderate at first, but has really gotten behind uh, the kind of Trump Republican model. Yeah, that's right. Um, if there's ever a time for a Republican to try to run, I mean, the last Republican, there's only been one Republican governor in, in recent memory, uh, and that's that's Pataki. Um, and that was not so long ago, although it was 20 feels long years ago. ago. <laughs> yeah, it is, I guess, long ago. It doesn't seem that long ago. Just one more note on Hakeem Jeffries. Jeffries is close to Cuomo. I mean, Jeffries served in the assembly um, and has known Cuomo and is considered by I think he would consider himself. I know he would consider himself a Cuomo ally, but also an ally of of Chuck Schumer. So, you know, I, I, I think all of these dynamics, you know, we're not 
experts in New York politics, but we're experts enough to know that this is going to be a a massive, massive story in the next couple weeks. All right, the number two story, Democrats splintering behind the scenes when it comes to COVID relief. This is not what Joe Biden wants, right? He wants a quick movement. He's got a very short window for that March 13th deadline, but already we're starting to see Democratic senators want to put their imprint on his massive COVID relief bill. Yeah, that's right. The big issue here is... um how much is this bill going to change? Is, are they going to moderate it? Are they going to try to drag it back to the center? We heard yesterday John Tester and Joe Manchin suggest that. And if it gets dragged too much to the center, can, does, does it run into problems in the House of Representatives? <laughs> That's the. And then if it if it does run into problems in the House of Representatives, does the House change it and send it back to the Senate? I mean, there's just a lot of dynamics here. I mean, it, it, this is a a tight majority, right? I mean, the House Democratic majority is only is only uh, they only have a couple seat cushion to pass bills. So. All of these things are really interesting. And then you have the Bernie Sanders dynamic here, which is he 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 still wants to overrule the the parliamentarian who says you can't include um, uh, minimum wage in this bill. So, uh, you know, just a lot of cross currents at the moment. It's not that surprising, though. I mean, I have to say, like, just taking a step back that this neither chamber likes to have to kind of take the work of the other chamber and just pass it full stop, right? The House often complains about having to do that when the Senate passes different bills. So it's, I do think this is kind of part of the process. I don't think anyone should, you know, it's not a a, a three alarm fire right now for COVID relief not to get done. But this is kind of part of the process where you all of a sudden have frustration um, from different sectors of the party. And the real question I think is, what does Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer do? This is going to be his first really massive package as leader in the majority. As you note, obviously very tight majority. But still, what does he do to try to keep these Democrats in line? What does he maybe have to promise down the road when it comes to a minimum wage vote or something along those lines? Those are all kind of contours of things to watch. And we certainly will be covering really closely. All right, let's go to the number three story, Jake. FBI Director Christopher Wray heading to Capitol Hill to testify about the January 6th insurrection. This is kind of part of that regular drumbeat of investigation hearings that both the House and the Senate are doing. Yep, that's right. Uh, Chris Ray is also, you know, has not really spoken since the January 6th attack. He's not been he's not been out there. He's not been he's not been one of the main figures. I've complained and we've complained that that we've not gotten regular briefings about the Capitol or or the investigations. We did get something from the Department of Justice early on, but that was a long, long time ago. (laughs) So, you know, I would just I would I would say this is super interesting. It's also interesting because Ray is what is the highest profile Trump holdover, right? He was Donald Trump's FBI director. I mean, Trump was on the brink of firing him about 500 times, it seemed like. Um, And so that adds another wrinkle into this. Yeah, the other thing I just think it's important to note is like where this is going to go. We've seen a lot of people kind of passing off the blame. We didn't know this, you know, from the Capitol's perspective, from some of the the police force at the Capitol, you know, in terms of information sharing. And so I think there's going to be a lot of, of of pressing of Ray. What did the FBI know? What was the role? How how does information sharing work? How should it work? Maybe how, how where did where were the failures? And I and I think 
the thing that you know you and I've been talking a lot about is what happens with this fence. I think that you see a lot of members, both Republicans and Democrats, wanting to find a way for the Capitol complex to be secure, but for this you know massive fence that is really makes it feel like the whole complex is a military a militarized zone how how do we go back to some semblance of normalcy i think you're going to start to hear that more and more could i just rewind for one second here anna and i i think also that you we, we know one thing that the intelligence at some level failed right because this happened <laughs> so so i think that what you said is a hundred percent right and i just want to emphasize that even more what happened on the intelligence front? Because something wrong, something got, something went crosswire here, and it was, and it, we need to understand it better. And the FBI is the central repository for intelligence about domestic crime and the potential for domestic crime. So I assume you'll hear a lot of that uh, today in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Thanks so much for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating and review. You could also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe. 